What is up, everybody? I am your host, Kyle Pagan. Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. Let's get right to it. Got a lot to talk to you about. Are you ready for some Sodgate talk? Kevin Kincaid and Bob Wankel are on today. Let's bring them up and running. Bob, Bob, what are you doing? Where's the TV? I, I decided this, I was receiving complaints last time, so I wanted to make it a more traditional backdrop to uh, oh, distract the viewers. Pussy. Yeah. No, I just, it's baseball season. Let's get it back to the Phillies. Let's not get it back to the Phillies. Let's not. I'm not ready to get back to the Phillies. We have enough Sodgate talk to last us 75 minutes today. So I hope you're I hope you're buckled down. I hope you're you're ready for 75 minutes of Sodgate talk. How Rihanna ruined the field because she was pressurizing the field and the moisture was getting locked down in there. And then they couldn't move the field back outside to dry it after the rehearsals because Roger Goodell had to put in two thousand more seats to make maybe what a hundred thousand more dollars in his billion dollar enterprise uh of their crown jewel event what do you think about that i think you're having a hard time coping with reality yeah. <laughs> um you know i don't know what you guys addressed uh on i guess tuesday's show uh, thanks for listening the- bob really appreciate it man uh listen i'm a busy guy man i got i got a lot to do here um look i mean my thing is that 15, 20 years from now, we're going to be talking about sod and we're going to be talking about this holding call mm-hmm. and we're going to be talking about Jonathan Gannon. Those three things are going to just be like the way that we talk about McNabb maybe or or maybe not puking in the fourth quarter of Super Bowl 39 is the way that we're going to think about Super Bowl 57 when we talk about these things. So, you know, it's unfortunate. I, I personally am not over it, to be honest with you, Like, no. <laughs> uh, no. but I'm not. Whereas you guys, I think I had your uh, your tinfoil hats on the other day. Like I, I just, I think it happened, but I don't know that it was a conspiracy. But still trying to deal with it as well. <sighs> I think Pagan's wearing the glasses just because he wants to look a little more intelligent in the no, no, as, he, I, as he passes off sod father conspiracy. I look like I would be studying sod. I look like uh, like <laughs> Superman, like Clark Kent would be studying sod right now. You know who we should have, if I was in a lazy ass and completely burned out after the Super Bowl, I would have got uh, somebody at the DelVal turf program to come on the podcast and talk to us about sod because Soma 31. DelVal turf is like like a like renowned for putting, is it renowned or renowned? I never know. Renowned, I think. It's your um, show. For putting uh, like people into professional turf jobs you know all the all the dipshits that i worked with at the golf course in college they all had degrees from del val you know so they know they knew how to grow grass you know i, I just think there's that where there's smoke there's fire i think you said a best pig and they didn't have enough sand and they were in the fucking desert you fucking know desert. so it's like well, i know where you can find some sand to put i mean bob them. you you know i mean you've had your you, you're a baseball coach you've had your fair share of diamond dry you know how much that could suck up the 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 uh the rain after a torrential downpour happens i mean i was 10 year old uh 10 year old kyle travel baseball working at windle straight park just a rake and some diamond dry and you know who got that who got that field ready for the four o'clock p.m start I worked right with a guy. I worked with a guy that tried to light the field on fire one time. There was a, a puddle, like the, the field slanted towards the third base side, and so next to the third base bag, it would always puddle up. And 
And one day I went out there and I watched a guy kind of pour some gasoline around the puddle and try to light <laughs> it on fire. It was it was pretty crazy. It didn't work, but he he tried. Maybe there that's a guy who's definitely a doomsday prepper. Like that yeah. guy definitely has some some underground bunker that he's just like he's he that's the kid who loved fire growing up. I mean, we all had that friend who tossed the uh the hairspray bottle in in, in the fire pit. Like, you want to go see this fire I made? Um so are you yeah. guys are you guys mourning the loss of, of Jonathan Gannon today? Are you guys are you guys just really down over his departure? Um I'll go quick and then Kev, you can answer. Um, okay, I'll go vamp a little bit. I'm trying to pull a photo for Craig here. Okay. Yeah, I uh I'm sad to see Jonathan Gannon go. I don't think it's always uh the grass is always greener on the other side. Don't love that he was like Maybe drier. <laughs> he was drier. like He's like bang, bang, bird gang, like in his introductory uh, video for the for the Arizona Cardinals. I'll tell you what, bird gang, when you say bird gang is not associated with the Arizona Cardinals. And I did all this defending of you for months on end. Q Gannon put all my eggs in one basket, got absolutely slaughtered after it was all over in front of 113 million people. And for you to go out there and say bird gang uh, and introduce yourself. Then I don't know if you saw the video with him and Kyler. That was just a little awkward. He just seems yeah. like a he seems like a football guy. He seems like a guy who really doesn't know anything and doesn't know how to properly act in the real world when it doesn't involve football. Like his mannerisms and stuff of him just like he just couldn't stop clapping. Like he, he's he's no better than the strength and conditioning coach I, on the. Sideline. I think he jogged up to him and uh, he clapped and said "Let's go" like six times. It was just two guys saying "Let's go" to one another. It yeah. was like "Let's go, you ready? Let's go." But that's how they communicate. That's like like how cavemen used to. It's just let's go and let's step up and that's it. Yeah, my friend is a coach over at Garnet Valley, and I give him like shit because I'm like, what kind of moronic stuff are you saying to the kids over there? Let's go, let's go, baby. You know, we're flying around out there. They say like the dumbest, like rudimentary shit to get these guys like uh, motivated. Oh, Craig can't pull this thing up because the limit is reached. Oh, whatever that that whatever that means. Um, no, I'm glad the Q Ganon is gone just because uh, we don't have to argue about it anymore. You know, I mean, but they'll just bring the next defensive coordinator. People will complain about the same thing, True. you know. So that's my that's my problem. That's why I if it seems like I'm not going as hard on Gannon as other people, it's not really because of the Q Ganon thing. It's because we do this with every single person that is a coordinator for the Eagles or works in. Thank you, Craig, or everybody who works in this city. Who's the last defensive coordinator that people actually liked? Jim Johnson. Philadelphia. Jim Johnson. Okay. Lost Can you name all of the defensive coordinators who have been here since him? Billy no. Davis. Uh, Sean McDermott, uh, Juan Castillo, Jim Schwartz won a Super Bowl. Of yeah. uh, Jonathan Gannett. I mean, it's like it's it's not <laughs> That's why I like laugh when I see people. I see that thread on Twitter where it's like, who do you guys want for the defensive coordinator? And people are saying Seth Joyner, who's never coached a single day in his life. Rex Ryan, who hasn't coached in seven years. And Vic Fangio, who runs the same fucking defense that Jonathan Gannon runs. Rex so, Ryan, who seems I, to be getting some looks by the Denver Broncos, reportedly. Who's getting looks from the Broncos? Rex, Rex Ryan. Ryan. Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> Rex isn't, but Rex isn't that old. Rex is 60. I just think he's been away away from the game for so long that it's like whatever. But this is why I can't have, if it feels like I'm dismissive of the Gannon stuff and like critical of the fans and whatnot, it's because people want Vic Fangio, but they didn't like Jonathan Gannon when they're basically the same thing. 
Well, I think the thing that kind of bothers me, like I've listened to this in the last few days, and I think one of the things that happens is that when you have a loss as bad as the Super Bowl was, and I mean, it doesn't get much worse than that. You can rank out worst losses in Philadelphia sports history and, and go through that exercise if you want to, but you need somebody to blame. Like it helps you sort of move on or process what's just happened. I mean, it's human nature. And I think that if you look at what Jonathan Gannon did this year, like, yeah, he had a lot of talent, but the numbers speak for themselves. You know, I think that it's, it's fair to say the guy did a a decent job overall, but you know, the one valid criticism of the guy really over two years is that anytime he faced an upper echelon quarterback outside of, let's say Kirk cousins in week two of this year, you know, he got absolutely rocked. And you know, that's, that's the way football works. You're going to give up points to good offenses, but I, I feel like that what's happened now is that you either are single-handedly placing the blame of how things went down in the second half on Jonathan Gannon, which I don't think is fair. Players play. Guys didn't make plays. At the same time, I've heard a lot, you know, I've heard a pushback about how like this Marcus Hayes, you know, who I've gotten to know a little bit, like covering the Phillies and spending some time with him and like talking to the guy, like I, I, I like him, you know what I mean? And I think he's, you know, fairly compelling writer at times, but to come out and say that it's going to be a catastrophic loss that Jonathan Gannon is in Arizona. Like, I just think that that's, I think that that's just totally so far gone the other way. Like there's again, like this inability to just play it down the middle and say, he did some good things. There were some things he didn't do well. Could someone have done a better job? Yeah. Like it's, it's possible. Someone could have done a better job. I don't even think Shane Steichen is a catastrophic loss. Well, you know, the thing that I, I look back to, though, is when this team has lost coordinators in the past, and most recently what we saw with the attrition, Doug Peterson, it was always this idea that, you know, hey, listen, Frank Reich isn't that that important. We have the next guy. Like, these guys all work together. It was collaborative. He'll be able to just simply step in. And we've seen that be an issue in the past. Andy Reid had a hell of a time replacing, you know, assistance from early in his regime to when he kind of got towards the back end of it. Like it is hard to replace competent coordinators. It doesn't mean though, that you're automatically going to take a step back at the same time. Here's my thing. Two points here. Would you guys agree that when the team plays well, the players get most of the credit? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. And when the team doesn't play well, the blame goes to the coaches. Okay, so that in and of itself is like kind of fugazi, right? I mean, when the team does well, that's a cultural thing. Like that's how we are developed as as children playing sports in youth leagues and high schools. It's it's the way that we process pro sports. The the coach is always the easiest target. Now I say this as a as a fifteen year baseball coach, right? Like former coach of the year. And, and we had some success where I was and we won a lot of games and we had really good players for a period of time and did really well. And I think I got credit for that to an extent. But I mean, at the end of the day, it was all about the players. It was all about the players and their skill and ability to execute. But when things don't go well and you lose those games, it's always going to be the coach's fault. I mean, that's that accountability gets placed on the coach from a very young age. And I don't think it's a coincidence that as time goes on, that's how we process sports at the professional level as fans as well. Well, I think it's even worse now just because the current um, theme in sports fandom is that I think uh, whereas the older generation will just blame anyone and anything, I think the younger generation is more favorable to the players, you know, and they're less inclined to kill the players in general. So if they do get critical, the 24-year-old is probably blaming 
this might not be the best example, but probably blaming Doc Rivers more than Joel Embiid. You know what I'm saying? Because they have feel like this connection, this fanboyish kind of connection to the players. So where they do something good, they're going to give them all the credit. And then when they do something bad, they're just going to blame the coach instead. I'm not surprised by it. I just think it's exacerbated a little bit by the zeitgeist of the fan moment. Right? You follow? Following me, camera guy? Um, and that segues me into this point about that Bumpy Jonas makes where he says the defense is going to be worse regardless. They'll be losing players too and can't afford to pay everyone. Right. So what we have in here is baked in some Jonathan Gannon bullshit that we're never going to be able to live down because if the defense is crappier next year, nobody's ever going to say it's because of the new defensive coordinator. They'll just say, well, they lost Kaiser white and they lost James Bradbury and they lost blah, blah, blah. Right. So we're, we're fucked if we do fucked if we don't here. Right. Because they're The talent's not going to be as good next year so even if the defense isn't as good we know that for sure like do we really i like i i hear you like i i get the point what what was his name bumpy jones bumpy, bumpy jones, jones. Yeah. listen i i've heard that all week i mean but do we know that for sure because what is the what is the turnover here what are we looking at we, we figure bradbury's gone yeah right? And that's yeah. a loss. That's a significant loss. Well, I think the easiest one that we said on the show Tuesday was they probably let Kaiser White walk and N'Kobe Dean comes in and plays next to TJ Edwards. Could right, they Hargrave walk? Kaiser White, is Kaiser White a, a B-plus no. player? But but Hargrave could walk. Could. I think they signed are, CJGJ. Are you devastated if Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham aren't here? Leadership aside, like sentimentality aside, like I'll be honest with you. I have a, a Brandon Graham signed jersey across from my desk here like i love that guy uh, but you know he was a rotational player that played less than 50 percent of the snaps this year and he did a great job for them he was an important piece but like is it is it devastating to this defense if he's not back i mean these are the questions that you have to ask yourself especially with 10 and 30 coming in on the draft you know and and you talk about like this defense you mentioned gardner johnson you mentioned bradbury you mentioned kaiser white these weren't guys that were here in day one of free agency. You know, this thing played out and Howie Roseman was opportunistic. And I'm not saying that he's going to hit like he did because we saw him hitting 17 and then he couldn't hit for, you know, two, three years after that. Yeah, yeah. So it, I'm not saying that like, you know, just blindly trust Howie Roseman's ability to replace all of these guys. But, you know, I think that there's a little bit more creativity in play that maybe we're giving the Eagles credit for here ahead of time as well. Well, it's easy to, Hire, like go throw money at a bunch of mercenaries when you have a franchise quarterback still on a rookie deal. Right. right. So all these people who were slurping Howie um, this year, like I agreed with it in large part because beyond just the mercenary free agent stuff, he did nail a couple drafts and he did make yeah. some great trades. Right. But the easiest part of it was Bradbury and Kaiser white and you know, those dudes. Right. So it just puts more onus on Howie to, you know, make sure he continues to nail the draft. He's got to have a third straight good draft, right? You know, because when if when they pay Hurts, I mean, that's that's it. Let, let's be honest, man. Both of the times that they went to the Super Bowl, it's when they had a quarterback on a rookie deal who got him there. You know, and the the amount of luck and just like you know, for the fortuitous nature of both of those Super Bowl runs. I mean, number one, that Jalen panned out the way he did. Number two, that Nick Foles was able to come in and, and you know, spell Carson Wentz. The, the, the fact that they won, that they even got to the Super Bowl twice, let alone won one of those, when I look back at it in its entirety, I'm, it's like a miracle to me, like quite honest, because I just think that, like, 
they went, you know, like I said, the Pagan on Tuesday, like they went up against Brady and Belichick, and then they went up against Mahomes and Andy Reid, one with a backup and one with a third-year guy still on a rookie contract. I mean, so if, if they win another one, there are what? They're a top four combo coach quarterback combination of all time with one more probably? Yeah, that's but but that's not why I'm not like I, I don't I don't want people to think it's like oh Kincaid is just burned out media guy he doesn't care about wins and losses and you know he's jaded or some shit like I mean yes that's true those are all those are all fine points it's very true invalid but go ahead go on but I'm not I'm not like I'm not, I'm not like surprised that they lost to Mahomes and Reed in the Super Bowl. You know, I think, what do you, what I think do you want me to say? Well, I think it's like looking down at your app during the halftime show and saying, Holy shit, the Eagles are minus 475 on DraftKings to win the Super Bowl right now. Yeah. And yeah. and then not doing it. And and you know, certainly the the way that things transpired at the end of the game, it doesn't help. I think a lot of people would have had a much, much easier time processing this loss if they would have had an opportunity at the end of the game, didn't finish the deal, and you say, Okay, we lost to a better team. Yeah, the defense collapsed, but yeah, I think it would have brought the offense's deficiencies in the second half more into focus had they had that final opportunity and failed to come through. Here's the stupidest thing in all of this, right? When you look at, because I made the point that Super Bowl 57 was Super Bowl 52 without the strip sack, right? The um, In this game, Gannon's defense gave up 31 points. Spag's defense gave up 35, right? Jim Schwartz's defense in 52 gave up 33. And who was the defensive coordinator for the Patriots? Patricia, Matt Patricia, Patricia yeah. back then, gave up 41. So out of those four teams and those two Super Bowls, Gannon's defense gave up the fewest amount of points, which is ridiculous when you think about it. But it just illustrates the point, I think, of that every defensive coordinator was going to get killed. Spags got absolutely killed. Matt Patricia got killed. Jim Schwartz got killed. We, when we're just looking at four elite offenses in these games. And just, I'm not saying that to absolve blame from Jonathan Gannon and say that he couldn't have done something different or done something better. But like, we're going to look back at this 15 years from now and be like, holy shit, that was an era. It was. And everything that you're saying is right. But I mean, you do come back and there are just so many numbers and forget the, the biggest one of all is that the Chiefs have four possessions and would have scored four touchdowns if they didn't take the knee on the one. That mm -hmm. can't happen. I mean, they made eight consecutive first downs at one point without reaching third down. You know, you gave up 119 yards on the ground and then you got picked apart in the air. And I know the yardage totals weren't great. Uh, you know, I know that that when you look at the stat line, you say, like, listen, they, they kind of contain them in terms of total yardage. But, I mean, to have the inability to stop anything, like the Chiefs are great. I think Patrick Mahomes has a chance to maybe go down as the greatest quarterback of all time. I think that Andy Reid might be one of the five best offensive minds of all time before it's all said and done. These things are all true, man. But at the end, you have a 10-point lead in the Super Bowl, and you couldn't figure out a way to get one fucking stop. And, and all they had to do, they, they didn't have to do, they didn't have to look like the 85 Bears. They just needed to make one fucking play. And, and if you're a fan and you're you're going to blame Jonathan Gannon for that, like, I can't tell you that that's unfair. I just can't. You know, I yeah. think that the guy did an all right job this year. Best of luck moving forward. I think it's best for all parties. I know the Eagles reportedly made a late play to try to keep him. But if you're Jonathan Gannon, you can't win here. You you can no, never, never be looking the same. Server. Yeah. You could start next September by throwing three shutouts back to back to back, and it won't matter. So if you're Jonathan Gannon, you've got to move on. You've got to get the hell out of here. And if you're the Eagles, I think honestly, it, it's time to turn the page and, and find the next scapegoat. I'm How do we blame this Todd? Not enough Sod talk in this uh, in this uh, live stream right now. 
not I, enough I, sod. So, hey, let me let me throw one more thing in here quickly before we get it back to the sod because I want to let me give Craig something and see if I can uh, just just talk over it real quick. I'm gonna drop this in here, Craig. You want me to vamp real quick? I got a point. No, I just I can set it up here while he pulls okay. it up. Um, I just want to explain why the Eagles do what they do defensively, right? So the big topic was them getting killed on that fake motion and then the guy just comes back out to the flat, right? So what the Eagles like to do is that, if you can bring that back to the top, Craig, and just um, pause it right there. So they've got two guys off to the right. And and what they do, what the Eagles want to do when the Chiefs motion inside is they don't want to get beat on jet sweeps and they don't want to get beat on motions. They don't want to get like picked Right, they don't want to run into traffic. They don't want to bump into the linebacker coming across the formation because typically, when the guy motions, you just follow him across the formation, right? But the Eagles go take the nickel. He replaces the safety, and the safety comes in and beats the motion guy to the other side so that they get leverage on that guy, right? So a natural counter to it is just to fake the motion and go back door. But you know, people say like, well, why don't they just play press man? I, they could play press man, you know. But then if they run, if Travis Kelsey sets a great pick or they run a rub route or something here, then you might get beat on that. You know, you could, the linebacker could be playing, um, you know, run coverage and you might get lost in traffic trying to get across the formation. So I'm not saying it's the right thing or the wrong thing, but there's a reason why they do it. You know, it's like Gannon's not sitting there like an idiot saying, Oh, I don't know what they're doing. Like he's just playing a guessing game at that point saying, Hey, Andy set us up with motion on this play. Is he going to come back with a counter or is he just going to run the actual motion in the next? But it's not, it's not like, you know, it's like, that's why I made the joke the other day. It's like fucking tech mobile because the defensive coordinator just got to do his best job to anticipate what's coming. Right. I mean, the best thing they could do is probably play press. The, the thing that I wanted to see him do more this year, was just play a little bit more press man, not even man to man, just press man with single high safety. Because you remember Jim Schwartz used to do a lot of that when he had Malcolm Jenkins. He could walk Malcolm Jenkins down to the box and Malcolm could do a lot of different things down there. And you leave Rodney McLeod back there as that 60-40 hash safety and he can cover a lot of ground, you know? But I think I think it's, I just want people to understand that like, he's not like a doofus and he's like, oh, I don't know what the fuck the Chiefs are doing here. It's like, he's, they, they don't want to get beat on that motion so they overplay the motion and they got burned on it. But there's, that's just a fancy way of saying that there's a reason for everything, you know. There is. We talked about it on on, uh, on Tuesday, where it's like it's just a huge guessing game in a in a league where that doesn't really favor defenses right now. Just, just yeah. kind of what it I is. Mean, I don't know. I mean, you can look if there was a. Well, this is the irony. This kind of wraps up the whole discussion. It's like if there was a coverage that prevented everything, they would run it. And what coverage is that? Rush four, drop seven, and play two safeties. So you know they stayed in their base a lot because their base was like a good catch-all that they weren't going to get burned on anything. But then when they were just getting dinked and dunked to death, like, which is kind of what Bob and other people have suggested, like there, there was no adjustment. That's when he needed to come out of that stuff and do something differently. You know, Bob, how were you on Super Bowl Sunday? Cause I know you're a maniac when you watch the Eagles, were you watching with family where you kind of just bunkered down in your, uh, in your basement? And w- what was it like? We ended up going a uh, small group of friends, um, had all had young kids, but they were all put to bed right as, as the game started. So it was actually pretty nice. I mean, it's good, good watching experience, man. But you know what happens? The one difference between like being 37 year old, 37 years old with kids and like, let's say five years ago when I didn't is the game ends and you want to scream. Like, you yeah. know, those videos that we were talking about where they like hit the TVs and like rip them off the wall and all that. Like, that was what I wanted to do. 
Uh, but then you're like, we have to go get our kid out of the pack and play and put her in the car and go home. And like I, life goes on, you know, so, be an adult. Yeah. so you have to go be an adult. But like I woke up, you know, it's like it's it's so lame. And I'm sure everyone has a story that's like sort of similar to this. But like you're processing it in real time and you're angry and you're disappointed. And I can't help but feel like when are they going to be back in this spot? Yeah. We can talk about Jalen Hurts and how they're set up for success, and this is great. And they're, you know, the NFC sucks next year. We can talk about all those things, but it's just so hard to get back to that spot. And you want to get back so badly. And that was the thing I thought about. But at 3 30 in the morning, kind of comes, you know, and I, I open up my eyes and I, I just thought to myself, like, they lost, they lost the Super Bowl, you know, like it's yeah. just brutal. And then I went back to sleep. I was out of it all day Monday. I really was. Like, people, you, you cover this stuff and like we talk about Kevin being jaded and like it's it, care. Don't care. doesn't matter. Super bowls aren't important. Life. life. I got, I, I, I've got uh tree houses to build in my backyard. You know, and I get all that. Like, because I, I, you know, was excited covering the Phillies last year. Someone that grew up as a Phillies fan. I was really excited for, for my friends and the, the, the city and taking that all in. And like, yeah, for sure. Like some 17 year old boy in me was really pumped to see those guys win too. Like I was rooting for them at the end of the day. Sure. But like, I wasn't as much of a fan as I previously had been. Like I, I wasn't like living and dying by it. If, if Bryce Harper would have struck out uh, in that, that game winner against uh, the Padres to win the NLCS, like I would have said, Oh, that sucks. It's disappointing. When they lost the world series, I said, that sucks. It's disappointing. This felt like, like real loss, man. Like it really, really was a gut punch for me. And they so, were actually favored. They're actually favored because yeah. I went and shared that thing. I did that story on the site about how what well, I guess the record since 1983 is like two and twelve. Yeah, in championship it's a, it's a games. thing. Yeah, and um, but you know what I probably should have put in there too was that they were favored in like once. In those 14 times, I think the only time they're favored was Sunday. Like, and, and okay, it's 1.5. I mean, whatever. It's a close enough favorite against the Rays. No, no, well, I they think weren't the, Rays the home. Are... They weren't the the home team in games one and two. I, I do yeah. know that. So I mean, you know, they didn't have home field advantage against the Rays. Yeah, they didn't have home field advantage against the Yankees. But I do feel like ahead of both of those series, there was a belief that that they were capable and probably could or or might win those series like yeah i, I don't even think in 09 going up against that yankees team is as great as it was in hindsight i felt like uh, hey we're the defending world series champions and we have cliff lee and we're gonna beat you you know i, yeah. I think that those series certainly had it but this is the one time where i truly felt like they're the better team and they should yeah. win and i still feel like they're the better team i feel like and i know that a lot of people said it this week it's a popular sentiment I do feel like they blew it. I, I feel like they blew it. One hundred percent. When you look at all the data and everything, that there's one one person who one team, excuse me, who's won the Super Bowl after losing it in the last fifty years. I think there's only been less than ten teams that have ever gotten back. Yeah, I mean, two teams it's, double digit loss or double digit uh, leads at halftime have lost the, the twenty eight to three Falcons and the Eagles. We've heard it a million times this week. Thirty five points is the most ever scored by a team to actually lose a Super Bowl. I mean. You, and you, I think it makes it worse for me, and I don't know if you guys talked about this or not the other day, but to get the game that you got out of Jalen Hurts. Like, I think yeah. I could have probably digested this game a little bit more if Jalen Hurts' shoulder had prevented him from making chunk plays down the field through the air. 
Um, you know, if there were numerous turnovers, if they just didn't have enough firepower to run with that team, I think at the end of the day, I probably would have been able to process and deal with this a little bit better. But to get that game, that type of performance on that stage and lose is just devastating. Well, it's not. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not that they lost. It's how they lost. You could say the same for the Phillies in the union, too. I mean, the Phillies were up two to one in that series and they got a combined no hitter, you know, in, in game five or whatever. Right. I mean, the union were up three to two with like two minutes left. So all three of the teams had lost in like the last five months or whatever it was. I mean, there was they were brutal, you know, lone leads, halftime leads, series leads. Two and a half teams have lost in the last three months for me. Now, fuck off. Fuck you. Get him out of here. <laughs> Sorry. Get him out of here. <laughs> hey, let me add him back in here. Oh, I'm in the middle now. Oh, now I'm on uh, the left. No, I, <laughs> I, I leveled up. I leveled up. Bob, did it uh, Did it make the loss feel any better after Juju came out and did the Valentine's Day thing and then everybody in the NFL, not just the Eagles, just totally just piled on him because that was, that was probably the most unfair fight I've ever seen in my life. And is Juju Smith-Schuster the most hated NFL player? Right now, because he might be. He didn't get a lot of backing from anybody. I know Patrick. Not even his own team. Patrick Mahomes kind of came in and I guess defended him a little bit. But I mean, listen, I love I love shit talking. Like even even at like not a youth level, but like in high school. Like I like I like players that chirp as long as they don't cross a line. Like as long as it doesn't get crazy. But I like when guys talk to one another and get each other fired up. We were talking earlier about the let's goes like kid comes in a dugout and says to his teammate, like, let's fucking go. And they bang chests. Like I'm into that. You make a big play against another team and you want to let the guy that's covering, you know, about it or the guy that you struck out, know about it a little bit. As long as it's within reason, like I'm cool with it. Here's the problem I have about this. I actually don't care that Juju Smith Schuster posted this or I wouldn't care. But the reason why I think as AJ Brown said, this is lame is for one reason. The dude stood up, talked to reporters for 20 minutes, took it like a man, said, yeah, I grabbed. He didn't make excuses. He didn't build in all this bullshit that we saw the 49ers do for two weeks leading up to this game. Like James Bradbury was a man about it. You couldn't have handled it any better than he did. And now I don't know if anything got set out on the field. Maybe they were jawing at each other a little bit, and he felt like maybe he needed to use the TKO here on on Twitter two days later. Fine. But I got to tell you what, man, like, to do it at James Bradbury after the way he handled it, fuck that. Like, that's weak. And I think yeah. that that's a big reason why a lot of the league came in and, and really kind of took, you know, the side of the Eagles on this one. Now, Darius Slay said the same thing where it was like, James Bradbury doesn't talk to anybody. Like, the dude stays in his lane. The dude doesn't ever really talk shit. He's one of the quietest out there on the field. Like, that's why I think it was a lot of people, like, would be so lame. It would be like... like if, that's, if that's Eli Apple, South Jersey guy, Eli Apple... Like, I get yeah. it, right? Because he's got something to say about everybody. He yaps. He runs his mouth. Okay. But James Bradbury in that spot. I mean, otherwise, it's a great burn. And like, I mean, that would be like if you want to talk shit on me, come and talk shit on me. If you want to attack Craig, who doesn't do anything in the background, yeah. he's just quiet, that's when I have a problem with you. Yeah. Well, it's also stupid because it was a penalty. Like if, if you torched him or something and made some amazing grab or whatever. Okay. It's almost like in soccer when a guy falls down and gets a penalty and it's like, yeah, let's go. Like, okay, you got a fucking penalty kick. It's not like, I don't know. The optics of it looks stupid. It was kind of the same thing when ESPN put that graphic up after the game with, uh, Mahomes stepping over Jalen hurts over Jalen hurts. Yeah. Yeah. And then they deleted it. And I'm just like, I don't, you know, I mean, 
Hertz had like five combined touchdowns in that game. You know, put this step, put him stepping over Gannon or something. I, you know, pick pick something that's at least accurate. <laughs> Andy Reid doing the step over of Jonathan Gannon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like do something that's actually like like relevant. You know. Yeah. How about uh, how about Freddie Mitchell getting into the mix? I thought this was hilarious. He goes. He uh, he replies back to Freddie Mitch or he replies back to Juju goes, you need your ass wit, bro. You're definitely not one of us. Freddie, let's let's let the guys who had more than 500 uh, yards receiving in a season uh, talk, talk the shit. And we'll, yeah. we'll let just you just stay out of this. I actually looked up Freddie Mitchell's um, stats. How many yards do you think Freddie Mitchell had over under eleven hundred in his career? Well, because you gave me that number and you're giving me the over under, I'll say under. <laughs> he had 1,200 yards in his career. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. Yeah. What a he man. did have fourth and 26, though. And you Juju, know, yeah. Juju Smith Schuster didn't catch fourth and 26. <laughs> this is like this is like a Thanksgiving Day high school game where two players are fighting on the field and like some dude from the class of 87 and his like varsity jacket like runs onto the field and gets involved in the fight. Like, what? Yeah. what is this? Yeah, like yeah. Freddie like, Mitchell of all people. Like, where did you come from? This is like be the Royal Rumble, and then the Repo Man comes. Like out. everyone just kind of stops the fight, and they're like, "Oh, you're you're here now." Yeah. Oh wait, look who's Gary's dad hit that eighteen year old. That was yeah. wild. So, um, <laughs> so where are you at on the Sod Father? Has he been locked up and thrown in jail yet? Pagan's yeah, I, on, Pagan's on fire with the with the Sod. This is the thing that the bothers you most. Like this is. This is the thing that bothers you most post Super Bowl. Like the call actually bothers me. Like the whole like I don't want to complain. Like I don't want to make excuses. But so I'm not allowed to acknowledge anything that was kind of bullshit because I have to act like a man and take the L on the chin. Like my thing is the penalty, but your thing is the sod. I guess. No, I, I and and a lot of Eagles fans have been like coming after the blog or the we. I posted the um, the legal hands to the face last night on Crossing Broad on the same on the same uh, play as the. Uh, the Juju Smith-Schuster hold. Yeah. And a lot of people were like, we took the L, this is soft. Like, I don't think it is. I think I think when I look at this, like when people want to blame things and they're like, you shouldn't blame anything, you know, we took the L, you know, be a man about it and everything. I was like, no, you should you should want officiating to be at the top of uh, it can be. You should want the field conditions to be at the top. This is a billion dollar enterprise running their crown jewel of an event. You should in the Roger Goodell coming out during the week being like, I don't think officiating's ever been ever been better. I think there should be different. Uh, I think there should be new processes. I didn't know that they take the best rated referees from the season and all put them together. Why wouldn't they take the best team, the best team of refs, and put them all together in the NFL? Now, do you think you know some side judge? Is going to question Carl Cheffers and Carl Cheffers isn't going to tell him just to shut the fuck up. Like this is my this is my game. I'm the head referee. Like wouldn't you like someone who Carl Cheffers respects and be like, hey man, I don't know if that was a hole. Maybe we should pick that up. Or I saw this or I saw that. Um, and then with the Sodfather, yeah, he should be buried underneath the 50 yard line and put in jail. Or put well, in jail. I don't I don't think the Eagles lost the game because of one call or because of the field. But I also think that the refs were shit and the field was shit. Two yeah, things so can why, be why, right, Kev. Yeah, I mean, Bob will back me up. More than one thing can be true. Put that on my gravestone, um, by the way. You know, <laughs> but just, that's that's why it's not. I mean, the people who are complaining about the field, um, everybody has said that it was shit for both teams. The people who are complaining about the call, it's not just dipshits like us. Like Ross Tucker was railing about it, right? Yeah, it's but so only one team changed their cleats. That's what I don't like. Yeah, 
That's what I don't like. I I think when you have a when you already have a, a a lasting relationship with a team, you've been around a team for so long, these things just get talked about, and it could just be passed. Here, here's the thing: like, let's say, like, let's play out the the hypothetical scenario where at three p.m. on Super Bowl Sunday, you know, it's very obvious that the field is slick. Grounds the groundskeeper is a Chiefs fan, and you know, alerts somebody kind of uh, off take the radar. Over. Hey, listen, the field is slick. You might want to think about this with cleats. You know, Eagles still go out there and warm up, did they not? Like, did, did nobody during the, the hour and a half that they were out on the field pregame say, yeah, maybe we want to think about this? You yeah. know, you, you you didn't go through your indie drills, like, pregame, like, getting off the line, like, saying, ooh, like, you know what, I don't have my feet here. Like, you know, shame on the Eagles if, if they noticed that, hey, these cleats might not hold up on this turf, and they had a way to have to adjust. And then when they made the adjustment, it seemed to make no impact whatsoever on their footing. I mean, you just saw time and time again, Josh Sweat, San Reddick coming off those edges and just not being able to establish. And I think that hurt the Eagles more than it hurt the Chiefs. And if, if you don't think so, or you think that's sour grapes, or it sounds like whining, okay, I guess that's fine. We have the slip stats. I, I think at the, at the when you when you evaluate the thing in its entirety, like it certainly hurt the Eagles. It, their well, whole defense is built on – on speed along the defensive line. How could it not have hurt them? And and why was Rihanna wearing red? You know, it's the like, devil. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, Craig, do you have that picture, by the way? Tuckahoe, New Jersey. Is it really? That's the first time I heard that. Sod better not be from Tuckahoe. I thought it was from Oklahoma not, State. No, the guy's joking because there's this <laughs> place. There's this, <laughs> there's this place in Hamilton called the Newberry um, Capital of the World, some yeah, say. The, it's called the Tuckahoe Turf Farm, and they like literally grow turf, and then you know I don't know roll it up and sell it or whatever the fuck they do, but they do uh, they do soccer tournaments here. These like massive soccer tournaments, they've got like a hundred fields out there. And I reffed on uh, I reffed a tournament here over the weekend, and like this picture is accurate. There is literally nothing there. Like there's recently, no- you reffed a, t- a tournament? No, this is like five years ago. But th- there's all there is is fields, a, a dirt parking lot, and like a couple tents set up. There's no running water. There's no bathrooms. <laughs> you gotta bring like your own orange um, slices. Yeah, and because the fields are still, the fields are so immaculate, you gotta walk like all the way around to get to the field that you're assigned to like ref or play on. And it's oh, like it's a, like car path only when you play golf and it just rained and everything, and you yeah. have to like sit on the car path and walk all the way over because your ball hooked. Yeah, I did. Oh. I didn't. I refed seven games in a row on in here and did not leave this area. And all I could subsist on was what I brought in my cooler with me. And then I had to walk a half a mile to like take a piss in the portage on between games or whatever. It was the, like I thought I was going to die. It's like if Bob, I, I'm going to die on the field at the Tuckahoe Turf Farm in Hamilton. Bob, what do you think Kevin was like as a soccer ref? Just a lot of comments under his breath. Just fucking shithead kids. Fucking fucking. Uh, probably that, or like you know, just like, hey guys, you know, the end result doesn't really matter that much. Uh, as long as you have fun, you're not gonna remember no. when you're 35. No, no, it was it was a lot of muttering under my breath of the parents. Oh, and the parents. Did you get worked by the guy, the dad who always showed up in jean shorts when it was like 30 degrees or 20 degrees? There was always that dad who wanted his kid to play football, but his kid ended up playing soccer. I'll tell you a quick story. We had to we had to stop a game uh, and kick a dad out of the uh, stands because he would not shut the fuck up, Uh, not yelling at us, but yelling at another dad from the other team. And it got so bad that they got up and started. 
you know, getting in each other's face faces. So the guy who was working the lines with me, he's like flagging me down. He's like, yo, yo, yo. And I had to like blow the whistle and stop the game and walk over to the bleachers because these two guys were about to clobber each other. And they say that when you have an issue with the parents, you're not supposed to, the refs aren't supposed to do anything. Like you're not supposed to go like restrain them. I think you got to get the coaches uh, from the teams to go over and tell the parents to fuck off or else they, you know, you stop yeah. the game. You like refuse to start the game yeah, until yeah. they handle it or your red card. And yeah, there are a few jobs that I can think of that are worse than being a youth or high school official. It's- <laughs> Dude, it was, it was so, it was just, but it's just like the, the funny thing is that like, I think that these parents like don't have, don't get any joy or pleasure out of anything all week long. So their release is like their kids baseball game at like 1030 on a Saturday morning. They finally get to like let loose. So they yell a bunch of dumb shit. They yell at the ref, they yell at the coach, they yell at other parents. They don't know the rules. I remember I was doing, I was running the lines one time and there's this single dad who was like sitting in a chair at the corner, like the corner flag. That's the crazy dad who's not allowed to sit near the parents. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I was asking, I'm like, why are you sitting all the way down here? And he's like, he's like, I can't sit around these other dipshit parents oh. because they don't know the rules and they say stupid things. And he's like, I feel like I'm going to like explode and, and like do something bad. So he removes himself from the rest of the parents because he doesn't. <laughs> I think a lot of people around the area just need a healthier uh, outlet. They just need a help. Like the, other than their kids sports, like, like, like yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. They all think they all think that like, well, the funny thing too, is that they all think that their kids like the next messy yeah. go into the champions yeah. league or something. Right. Bob, could you, Bob, yeah. could you see Kevin Kincaid running up to two dads fighting just red card and whistling the whole time? Just a couple like, hey, sir, you got to stop fighting. You got a red card. You got to leave. Yeah, I mean, Kevin's right, though. It's the parents, but it's also it can be the coaches. Like, I actually think I'm a fairly like level headed person. I've been tough on on umpires and stuff throughout my life uh, because at the like at the end, like balls and strikes, you, you know, I just I'm kind of going back to baseball, but balls and strikes. I can your zone's bad. Your zone's bad. Like, and, and maybe I'll let you know about it a little bit like in passing. I'm not going to lose my stuff, but there should be at least an expectation that, you know, the basic rules. And like, I remember I was probably like 24, 25. I was coaching freshman baseball. This is, you know, 12, 13 years ago. We have like the bases loaded with two outs in a game. And again, we're talking about freshman baseball. (laughs) Who cares? So, and you can say that now when you're not in the middle of it and doing it every day and, and, you know, trying to build something. But I remember we had a player up to bat and the bases were loaded and the ball bounced in the dirt and then it hit the player, it hit the batter. And he didn't swing. He didn't offer at it. And so obviously he's hit by the pitch and you take your base and a run scores. And so, you know, the umpire calls time and he steps out in front of the plate and he says, it bounced. It's a ball. It's a ball. It bounced. And I come walking down the third baseline because most coaches stand at third base. And I kind of saunter down the third baseline. I'm like, I know it bounced and it hit him and he didn't offer at it. It's a hit by pitch. And the guy goes, no, it bounced. And I said, I agree. It bounced, but it's a hit by pitch. And the guy didn't know the rule. And like, I went nuts. Like I didn't curse. I didn't freak out, but I'm like, you've got to know this rule. Like, how do you do this for a living and not know this rule? Like you're making $65 to be out here for two hours. Know the damn damn rule. So, yeah, I mean, if you can withstand the verbal abuse, you know, it's it's actually hourly rate, not too bad. So I remember I, I said to him, I was like, after the game, I think we ended up losing the game. And I he kind of like walks off and I kind of call over to him and I say, you know, I want to give you my phone number so that tonight when you go home and read the rule book for the first time in your life, you can call me and apologize. <laughs> and 
you know, he told me to go F off or something like that. But like, I mean, you know, and that's, that's the type of thing. Like I do feel for, for coaches and umpires and officials and referees, but like got to know the basics a little bit. Did he ever apologize? No, I didn't see him uh, ever again. I, I, I made sure because you can kind of go back to your AD and say, like, make sure we don't see that guy again. Shit, this shit is the real deal, though, man. My dad used to used to ump baseball. You know, I used to call balls and strikes, and I would be there sitting in the stands, and we'd yeah. go back to the car, and the parents would come up to him at the car. Like, they'd come up to him in the parking lot. What's the running joke about, oh, I'm going to meet you in the parking lot? They literally would meet him in the parking lot and come say, like, oh, that wasn't a – fucking ball or a strike or something it's ridiculous man we had we had to I, we had to abandon a game once because it just got so bad i think i I issued like four red cards and like then there was like a mutiny on the sideline and i just looked at the other two i looked at the other two i was in the center i looked at the other two lines and i was like we're done man we're done with this shit guys you this to, game doesn't you matter to coach your kids when they get older if they they take sports uh, am i gonna coach my kids yeah. Yeah. i think it's probably inevitable right yeah. I want no part of it. I, I, I no do not foresee Bobby, do not coaching my, my kids. Bobby, I got to ask you, did you ever go to the umpire and be like, hey, listen, throw me out? But as you're like giving it to him just to fire up the uh, fire up the boys? <laughs> no, I uh, have been restricted to the bench a couple times um, as an assistant. Dude, that, that is, that is yeah. like putting a kid in timeout. <laughs> there's just there's like uh, levels that you, you can be like asked to leave the premises and then there's the like you have to stay in the dugout you can't come out on the field anymore and i had gotten my my money's worth a couple times where i just let them know but i had never been ejected from a game you don't want to be in new jersey because i believe that if you are ejected and i don't know how it is now but there was a time where like you had to go take a class you had to drive up to trenton and take a sportsmanship class if you were thrown out of a game so you know you always want to like push a push it a little bit when you especially if you feel like you're getting screwed but you know, there's a line, and if you cross it, it it's it's not good. If That's I actually had a great rank. move by New Jersey Athletics, because who wants to go to fucking Trenton? I know I wouldn't. Oh, like, I'd be like sitting us like, we got to go to Harrisburg, Kev. Yeah. If like we got thrown out of a game, like oh, I got to make this three hour trek to Harrisburg. Yeah, it's about preventing things before they happen. It's that's a good deterrent, right? I, if, I, but, go dude, if I had to rank Casey to get if back, I had to rank coaching. the worst parts about ref like the rank the people who are most annoying and refing number one would be the parents by far number two would be the opposing coaches and then the players honestly were fine like i never had problems with the players because i think i think the kids were like embarrassed for their parents you know i mean i noticed like plenty of times where like their mom or dad was yelling and they're just like oh what the fuck is this my mom yelling for you. I have I have so many stories I could tell about this but uh i i might be in the market for another baseball job down the road so i want to I'm going to set this one out. Bob still wants to win that New Jersey baseball state championship. So I'm still chasing that list. down. I'm still so close, but yeah. well. you can only do so much gambling content for so long. No, it's yeah. true. It's you true. need an outlet. Yeah. Um, Bobby, did you hear about this? Kevin, did you hear about this? Wildwood boardwalk operator banned for rigging games. The, I'm the, stunned. I'm stunned that the integrity of the Wildwood boardwalk is, is yeah. not up to to the most stringent levels of, of integrity. Your, your jump shot was never broken. It was actually the Wildwood boardwalk operators overinflating the basketballs and having those oval ass hoops. Can you it's believe amazing. it? Not deflate gate, but 
Uh, in, did, in, I, didn't, I didn't see the story, but like, was there a three month investigation launched into this? Like, yeah, the, Sal Palantonio put on his Kenesaw <laughs> Mountain Landis pants to go. Yeah, yeah. He launched a forensic investigation into the Wildwood <laughs> Boardwalk Carnival games. So, this is from Robert Moran at the Inquirer. An amusement operator accused of rigging boardwalk games in Wildwood and North Wildwood has been banned for 10 years. 10 years. They threw the book at her. Yes. And so. So wait a minute, accused of, accused by whom? Like, was this a parent watching their kid and saying, my kid, my, my kid would never miss that many free throws. Like what, well, like what happened? The attorney general did a, did a victory lap. It felt like every, he, he, this is him quoted. Every person who plays an amusement game in the state of New Jersey deserves a fair shot at winning a prize. General Matthew J. Placken said the Jersey shore is one of the biggest draws in the state for families looking for fun and recreation. And we're making sure those families are not being scammed out of their hard earned money. Now you just put a fucking ice cream place on every single corner because you know, kids will want ice cream, but God forbid you let the lady just get a little bit of her grift with the basketball games. I have to say, I mean, wait until they find out about the ring toss. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it is true. I mean, like, let's say a parent works and, and takes their family to, to the, the boardwalk and this is their big vacation and they spend a couple thousand dollars for the week and you spend 10, 15 bucks because your kid wants a stuffed animal and you find out that it, I mean, like, I laugh at it, but like, I don't know. I mean, money's money and a scam is a scam. So like, at the end of the day, I get it, but I guess I just... My thing is like, how did they get to this point? How did they launch the investigation? That's so they haven't, they haven't, I, I have uh, inside sources on Maurice Pierre um, <laughs> that Christine Struthers, who was the one who allegedly ran games with overinflated basketballs, uh, sometimes as much as three times the manufacturer's specifications. She also, during the summer, inspections were con conducted at each game. Besides finding the overinflated basketball, the commission found Struthers had displayed large plush animals that were not actual prizes and failed to show the prizes that could actually be won. That's the order set. That so that, that I don't appreciate. You're talking now, about also, kids. Like you're talking about like little kids here, you know, like you're taking advantage of like a, a little kid wanting a gift from their parents and the parent trying to do the right thing. Like that is pretty slimy. Like Ben Simmons didn't win this prize. Launched it's <laughs> great. That might be my favorite crossing broadcast uh, live comment I've ever seen. I really do. Like as a parent, I think 10 years ago, I would have said like, give me a break with this story. But as a parent, like I, I feel like this, this, that's slimy, man. Go to target, get your kid a bear. Okay. I, don't know. I mean, come on. I, I do like that. There's a commission though, that, that does uh, inspections. Well, here, here we go. My source is close to uh, tax dollars at work. My, my source is close to uh, Maurice Pierre told me that Christine also ran a ladies day specials where she'd offer women discounted prices to sucker their boyfriends into losing all their money, trying to win that big stuffed teddy bear that you couldn't actually win. That's a, that's a true, that's a true quote. My guy girl or girl, allegedly Christine was running some uh, bad business practices and she would give ladies uh, maybe $4 to, for their man to, uh, to, to, to shoot a basket. It's a sad state of affairs that, that the normal traditional, boardwalk scam of the past doesn't just hold up on its own anymore you have to you have yeah. to take it up a level you have to you have to inflate mm -hmm. the basketballs you have to have ladies nights like if you, you target if she targeted you're like if can she, we just go back to the scams of the 80s and 90s like when it was when i was growing up if she targeted men specifically this could be a hate crime right mm-hmm
because this is where Bob slides off the screen. Bias against gender, uh, not related to Sally Struthers, right? Christine Struthers. Um, I don't know who Sally Struthers is. I know who she is. I don't know what she did though. But you know, if Christine did this in Philly, Krasner would have banned her for one day, and then she would have been back on this. <laughs> banned for ten years is a lot, and a fifteen thousand dollar fifteen thousand five hundred dollar fine because she got fined five hundred dollars for every basketball. Now, do you think she comes back from this? Like, do you think ten years from now, like the notorious boardwalk inflator of balls is is back after a ten year I mean, ban? If Calvin Ridley can come back, anyone can come back. Yeah. It's true. It would here, be. Craig, I'm, send, I'm sending Craig something to pull up here. I just ripped off like three jokes in a row. By the way, I don't think any of them were good, so I don't think I have a future in uh, stand-up comedy. But uh, Sally Struthers. Yeah, I thought um, the Sally Struthers line was pretty good. To has right. anyone ever won that basketball game? I've never won the basketball game. I just assumed it's because I suck. So no. Nope. No. Sally, Sally Struthers. Struthers. Who the hell is Sally Struthers? Now we're going on a Sally Struthers wormhole. Who could ever um, forget the voice of? Charlene Sinclair on the ABC sitcom Dinosaurs. Yeah, she was on Gilmore Girls. Is that the, uh, Rock the Mama show? Uh, that, the the, uh, the daughter of Archie and Edith Bunker and All in the Family. Who who can forget All in the Family? That was a great program. That was definitely on the Peggy House <laughs> growing up. Anybody here who's like a boomer is probably like, what the fuck are these guys? What, an, what a hip reference by you. Yeah. <laughs> wow, Kevin. Wow. Super That's cool, my man. Tony Bruno thing. You know how he does like the uh, Christine Struthers, not Sally Struthers, right? <laughs> not uh wanna, Suzanne. Yeah. Yeah. do you want to bring up like whoever that blonde woman was in greece too and just talk about how much of an icon she was back in the day yeah i think that's not in our demo necessarily i gotta try to keep it more more specific to what we're actually talking about here but uh <laughs> all right yeah. fuck fuck philly fan kyle saying go buy a bear is a clear indication of someone that never won anything at a game and felt that glory yeah. well guess what you just spent 130 dollars trying to get a Reno Mahe jersey on the boardwalk and you yeah. and you never got it. The so most communist it. one, the hardest one to win is when you have to toss the the ball into the basket, but the basket's angled like this. So it just bounces out every every time. Oh, the uh, yeah, the softball. The softball. Yeah, you got to put like, a, top spin on it or something to get it to like sit in the basket I, or whatever. I think there's a wooden plank behind those baskets. And if you don't hit it perfectly, it'll always bounce off and come back off. Is you this know, true? The um, the uh, the softball with the three milk um, cartons or milk glasses. That one I I've never been able to win. You hit it right in the middle, it still doesn't work. How many carnivals have you been to in recent years? You sound Dude, shout like out to the Mary Mother Redeemer Fair. I was all okay. over that place. That I used to live behind the church, um, and so the, every every week in June I was there at Mary Mother Redeemer, just wreaking havoc, hanging out with buddies and uh, trying to get free ring tosses. From the uh, from the carnies we made friends with, I have a feeling I know what one of your next man on the street videos is going to be uh, this spring. Kyle Kyle goes to the carnival. Imagine the content that I get from the carnies. I, yeah. I think that might be a must do for you. That's right. one of my favorite lines from Austin Powers. By the way, there's only two things that scare me: <laughs> nuclear war and what's the other thing that scares you? Carnies. So- <laughs> Kevin, Kevin just was like, "All right, like I got to get out of the mid '70s. Like, let me <laughs> let's go to the early well, '90s." My references, yeah, my pop culture references have reached the '90s. Kevin now. just came up to 1997. Carnies smell like cabbage. Small hands. Um, what was your favorite carnival ride? Tilt the World Gravitron. Well, I I got to tell you guys, I uh, I don't do rides. <laughs> 
Oh, yo, I heard you don't do elevators either. I do elevators. I don't like heights. All right. We, we should have a real serious crossing broadcast one day about mental health and anxiety because I have it. Legitimate anxiety. Um, I do not like heights at all. So I will do elevators, though. I trust yeah. you with a lot of things at Crossing Broad, and I can't believe I've followed a dude into battle who can't go up on an elevator in an enclosed space. Yeah. I don't like escalators. Oh, so, escal- like, oh that's even worse. <laughs> stand like to the that. left. Stand to the middle. Yeah, I just, you know, I like to hold on to something and just, it's too open air, you know. I actually struggled with the press box when I first started covering the Phillies. I had a hard time sitting that high up. Like, not to be a ticket snob, but like, mm-hmm. if I go to the Eagles, like, I'll only go to one game a year, two games a year, because like, I'll go all in for the tickets to make sure that I'm sitting in the lower level, like 15 rows up. Then yeah, Wells think- Fargo must be an absolute, like that must be you climbing Mount Everest because Wells Fargo is a straight shot down. Well, like, put it to you this way. Like we don't cover, we don't cover road games with the Phillies at crossing broad. But if like, you know, our parent company stepped in and said, Bob, Hey, the Phillies are in the world series, go down to Houston and cover the game. Like I, I would not have gone personally because I won't fly. You won't fly. I have not. I I flew uh, in like 2014. It was last time. John I Madden. Yeah, like I really would be like John Madden if like NBC said we want you to to be a, a sideline reporter on our national broadcast. Like I'd be busing across the country to do it. Yeah. How <laughs> we know? Like anyone that doesn't know a little behind the scenes, Bob is like the most like I don't want to say toughest, but you're like I don't know. You're like a strong-willed guy that I'd follow into battle. Yeah. You know, a, a leader in some sense, and he can't even ride a damn escalator. Hey, some would say that the me showing such vulnerability is a, the mark of a, a true okay. leader, somebody yeah. that has a lot of self assurance and, and confidence. Yeah, I think Kyle's Kyle's teetering on the on the verge of uh, offending somebody here. I think this is ableism, uh, is what Listen, they call it. The only thing I ever got nervous of was I used to get vertigo looking over uh, the second story of the Montgomery Mall for some reason. It always just would like you just look over, you'd see how far the drop was, and you'd be like, "Holy shit, that's a far drop." Bob couldn't even do it, so I've I've already I've, I don't like heights either, Bob. But you won't yeah, catch me. I was, you I've won't actually walk in four flights of stairs just to get away from an escalator or an elevator. Yeah, I don't want to turn this into like uh, the, the the therapy hour or anything <laughs> like that. But been there, like second floors of malls back in the day were tough. Like I've come a come a long <laughs> way. Yeah. You're, coming out of the, you're coming out of the zoomies man you're like holy shit i hope i don't walk five steps i gotta walk three steps and go right if i walk five steps and go left i'm gonna i'm yeah. gonna have a conniption no hot man. topic because i think hot topic was always on the second floor too it was. you would know with spencer's yeah you would know i would <laughs> unfortunately you would you would know yeah, you yeah would that know. was definitely somewhere you were definitely a spencer's gifts guy i was a mall rat i was always in the arcade playing like, you had uh, all the black light posters and stuff like yeah. Yeah. yeah let's see if i can walk my cultural references up to the year 2000 now getting to this you're doing good yeah. you're yeah. going from sally struthers to hot topic we're sitting in like the 2006 era right now what was the Guys, mortal Kombat game called wedding crashers it yeah, was pretty funny. <laughs> you remember that movie Wedding Crashers? No, there was the game where the dinosaur it was like Mortal Kombat with dinosaurs. Um Jurassic Park. Killer Instinct, I think it was called. Yeah. All the characters were like dinosaurs, like the T-Rex like bit the head off of the triceratops or something. It was like the finishing <laughs> move, you know. So yeah. Lava lamp. He's <laughs> <laughs> gonna have a lava lamp behind him on Tuesday when we come back here.
Oh, this is God. where we're at. This is what the Eagles have done to us, you know. Seriously. Um, hey, Bob, before we go, Alex Bohm or Alec Bohm, uh, 15 Alex pounds Bohm. of muscle. Can you believe it? Can Alex you believe Alex Bohm put on 15 pounds of muscle? Championship. I, no, I can't believe that Alex Bohm, Alex, put on 15 pounds of muscle. You know why I can't believe it? Because he didn't. Uh, <laughs> you can't do that. Can I tell you something about the like best shape of my life, 15 mm-hmm. pounds of muscle mm-hmm. thing? Like, it's, I don't know, early 2000s, mid, like, I want to say like 06, 05, 06, Mark Simino. Mark Simino's come to camp with 10 pounds of added muscle. You know, like he was so good early in 2003 or 2004, but then he got ran over. He wore down. So he put on 37 pounds of muscle and now mm-hmm. he's going to be all pro. And uh, who was the other guy? Sean Considine was the other one. Eagle safety. He was another guy that put on 10 pounds of muscle. That was like a Dave Spadaro special every summer. This guy came to camp a lot bigger. Um, Alec Boehm has a massive frame, and there's no doubt in my mind that he could add strength, and it may impact his game this year, but like he didn't put on 15 pounds of muscle. I need to um, apologize real quick. I have my <laughs> cultural reference wrong. It went, Killer Instinct was not the name of the game. It was called Primal Rage. Kev is the best because he's he, this is just Kevin being an editor because he like has to go back like no one gives a fuck that Kevin got Tekken and Primal Rage or Killer Instinct wrong yeah. but Kevin cares and Kevin yeah. now needs to write his wrongs and I one of the that. one of the characters was a gorilla like so in the top corner there you see a gorilla versus a T-Rex and it was like Street Fighter 2 except like you know Primal Rage Primal Animals and stuff, this looks so. like some like really bad knockoff of Street Fighter 2 it was. It was a terrible game, but it was in the Coventry Mall arcade for a little bit. So I guess I played it. You know. So. Are you Much guys excited? Time. Are you guys excited for pitchers and catchers? No, no. I'm actually going down to spring training. I'm excited to finally go to the rooftop bar, or the nice. tiki bar oh, yeah. out in uh, left field. I'm excited so. that people are excited about the Phillies. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, because I just think that there's a lot of room for us to to do that kind of stuff. You know, Anthony, as an editorial note to all of the listeners out there, Anthony's going to do a lot more Phillies this year. Um, yeah, because let's be honest, the press box anymore. Flyers are dog shit. Um, you know, so um, like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I actually think pitchers and catchers. This is an interesting take for a guy that loves baseball and like you know covers or writes about baseball. Uh, I think pitchers and catchers one of the most overrated days on the sports calendar. It's like a, it's like a right of like it, it's it, symbolic ring. It's symbolic. Like, Hey, it's coming. It's on the horizon. But like what you're going to get for the next four weeks are variations of this pitcher added two miles per hour to his fastball. He's using this grip on his slider. What did he overdo to come this piece of adversity? Because we need to fill space and write this feature story. Like that's what you're going to get. Now you also do get the world baseball classic. And the Phillies do have some interesting, some storylines this, this year, you know, what does Andrew Painter do? What does he look like? Can he make the team? He's one of the best prospects in all of, in all of baseball. But other than that, I mean, just get me to the start of the season. Like if you could just fast forward through spring training, uh, I would do it in a heartbeat. Just get me to October. Um, I want to ask you, is this the new Clearwater shirt that Bryce Harper was wearing? And is this in, in, and it kind of this uh, this fucking Philly shirt when Craig pulls it up? I'll cue it, Craig. You got it. Your internet going a little slow over there, Craig. Do we have to uh, get you up to the blast package on Comcast? Craig's had a good show. Give him a break here. Uh, he's 
Well, I then, could talk shit on Craig. Remember, no one else can talk shit on Craig. Uh, um, this fucking Philly shirt. This is the Clearwater shirt of of this spring training, which I kind of love because I feel like the Clearwater shirt, that was just, you know, Bryce Harper, and that was the 2019-2020 Phillies. This is the 2021-2022-2023 Phillies and beyond. The only thing I want to ask, though, it has the Phillies P on it. Is this is this Phillies merch? Is this Phillies merchandise? My, my guess is you're not going to be able to buy this at the team store, but uh might be a players-only piece of apparel. I mean, that's pretty cool. They wouldn't let they wouldn't, you know, dive into like me, you know, bringing back to our dog night. But I'm good to see they're at least letting fucking Phillies fly whenever they want. Yeah, I mean, what about the children? You know, that's yeah. what I think about in times. That like is this. true. That's true. Between Kyle, Kyle Schwarber wearing this and Patrick Mahomes chugging beers, who I guess has a fake. He's been using a fake voice for the entirety of his career. I don't know if you heard that speech, but uh, yeah. a lot less Kermit, a lot more. I don't know. Just regular ass voice. Normal, so. normal human being. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, anything else? I don't think you guys got anything else. Any more references, Kev? No, it's good. We got Sally Struthers in there. We got Primal Rage, Austin Powers. I think we, I think we ran the gamut. All right. Well, that is the broadcast for today. Thank you to everybody. Thank you to Craig on the ones and twos. Thank you to Bobby for staying the whole hour. We thought you're you're getting off in thirty minutes. Thanks to Kevin Kincaid. Thank you to me. Thank you to the listeners. We'll talk to you on Tuesday.